You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and smoke a really fine cigar. All right, it is time for Happy Hour. It is the Man Cave Happy Hour. Whiskey, cigar, spirits, the stories that go along with it. I'm Jamie Flanagan. I am the one and only Matt Fox. Hey, how are you guys? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Tuesday. Hey, guess what I got? What guess do you what got? I got, Jamie? What do you got, Matthew? I got a bottle of Joe Lewis bourbon and in my hand. And it's full. It's not <laughs> nice. like a... I have a brand new supplies have been set. Hi, everybody. This is Michael again. Uh, this is Will. I'd hold mine up, but I drank it. <laughs> nice. Good on you, buddy. <laughs> oh, there you are. And uh, Charles is with us uh, as well, uh, author of uh, Detroit City of Champions. And uh, yeah, cheers, gentlemen. It's Tuesday uh, in these. Tuesday, uh, although it's not necessarily a happy Tuesday. Happy it's a, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. difficult. It's a difficult Tuesday taste. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we, 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 uh, you know, we, we, posted something on uh, Facebook today, which is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. What would Joe do? Fair play. Joe Lewis was more than just a boxer to his people. He was a symbol of pride, strength, and dignity in the face of the oppression they suffered in the land of the free. Martin Luther King later described what Lewis meant to them when he wrote about the execution of a young black prisoner in a southern prison. As the poison gas pellets were dropped in the death chamber and the gas rolled upwards, his last words were, save me, Joe Lewis. Save me, Joe Lewis. Save me, Joe Lewis. Mm. And that's kind of the jumping off point for really a, a, a troubling week. Um, and uh, for this country, uh, pandemic plus credible uh, strife in the streets. And, you know, it's, it's the question, what would Joe do? Uh, there's, there's a lot of lessons. And, and I've yeah. been reading a bunch of things and, and I've no, so you guys, I, I don't know, I wanted to, if I may introduce our, our guest. Yes, please. Uh, Will Wright. So Will, hello, Will. Hey. Up, buddy? Uh, Will, Will and I uh, uh, have known each other for a long time when we were kids. Uh, we uh, worked together at CNN. Um, but Will Thanks has to be bald then. Yeah, right. And, and just celebrated the 40th anniversary, by the way, yesterday. Uh, Happy anniversary, by the way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Will is here for, for a couple of reasons. One is that um, not only uh, is he a friend, but, um, but Will professionally spent you know, 35, 40 years of his career in news. We talk about CNN, but many other, um, how many? 50. Oh, I know, I'm, a lot younger, I'm a lot older than I look. I look really young, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, young, I'm the youngest 70 year old you know. <laughs> I wouldn't put you past 55, Will. I really wouldn't. I'll take that as a compliment any day. Why don't you tell everybody what, you know, you're, you kind of have an interesting journey uh, yeah. in journalism that has, that, that there's a reason why you're on this. Two reasons, really. Well, this morning. Yeah, William, well, it, William it thanks for... I'm sorry, I'm just stepping all over you there. I was just saying, welcome for being uh, in the man cave. Super excited to have you with us. But yeah, William, t- tell us about your childhood. Well, the fun is I, I'm, I, you know, I'm in my man cave here in uh, Eastern Long Island, the little town of Fort Salonga. 
Um, I uh, just recently um, uh, retired from NBC News. I uh, was with NBC a total of 13 years, and uh, I've been in the news business uh, for 50 years during that that period of time. And um, I started um, uh, right right when I got in out out of high school uh, as a news professional. And uh, what what motivated me was in the 60s, uh, 1968 to be exact. I had um, uh, been involved in putting together a, lo- a, a local community newspaper. And you remember, 68 was a very difficult time in terms of civil rights and, and turmoil. Uh, we were still, we, and I say we, which includes me, uh, were uh, people who are on the streets, like people on the streets today, uh, demonstrating against the war in Vietnam. Not that we were um, uh, anti-war per se, but we did not like the involvement that our country did in that country and felt that we could have gone about it a lot different in terms of building a nation as opposed to tearing a nation down. Here we are now um, uh, pretty much fighting the same kind of struggle, um, which, uh, which, which is compounded by the fact that we here in this day and time, never I, I never thought in, in my 70 years of existence that I would be in a world where uh, there would be a pandemic, uh, that there still would be so much racial strife, and that we would be in a political situation that seemed to exacerbate the pandemic and the racial strife. Um, and so when when I got a call from Michael, and Michael said he wanted to talk about what would Joe Lewis do, I thought it would be exciting because Joe Lewis was a very interesting character in terms of his his almost like an, an accidental civil rights leader. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a great sportsman and he wanted to be involved in sports. But the time, uh, uh, the times uh, of of his life, uh, drew him into this um, this pitch battle where he was representative of not only civil rights but American might and American will. And um, and in in doing that, you know, his his his, his whole theme was. He wasn't interested in money. He even said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not interested in money, but it quiets my nerves. And it kind of like it's in sync with what, what's happening now with these people out on the street. During the pandemic, they weren't working. They, you know, it's been three months. A lot of people uh, have not gotten uh, an income. Their, their prospects are, are, are weakened uh, by the fact that their businesses have been closed, that mm-hmm. the economic prospects, uh, if you're a student, are, are right now very um, uh, nebulous. Um, and so they're out on the street saying, help me, what can I do? You know, it's not that they, 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 they want um, to be rich. They want to survive. They want to live. And they want to be, they want to be happy. They want hope for the future. And so the flip side of that is, you know, we have COVID-19. We have people who have been shut in, looking for hopes for the future. And, it almost seems as though it was it's a it's a redo of the sixties in terms of the the national strife that to feel the the fear that we're feeling the 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 hopelessness that we're feeling, which has driven people out on the street I was talking to my wife right now in New York, there are tens of thousands of people in the street that we looked at each other and says, "What else is there? What else is there for them to do? You know they're not going to sit at home under the circumstances because they're in pain. And so uh, you have athletes who are really stepping up and making us 
and making us feel. If I talk too much, let me know because I get wild. No, back. no, please. We're loving it, loving it, loving <laughs> it, William. We have, Thank we you, have William. athletes who, who <laughs> really, Jamie likes to do that because he can drink more. <laughs> we, have, we have athletes who who really are 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 are, are understanding this. Uh, similar in in the spirit of Joe Lewis, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar a couple of days ago wrote this excellent uh, uh, explanation in the New York Times in terms of how he sees it. This is what we're seeing are people who are pushed to the edge. And they're pushed to the edge, not only is the fact that black men and women are dying at the hands of police, but also we have this great economic disparity. Uh, we've uh, gone through uh, two uh, of these um, uh, bailout bills, and there's still people who have not seen any help from that. And, uh, and they're frustrated. And so they're out on the street. Uh, Magic Johnson. Um, on CNN, uh, he, he did two two interviews on CNN in the past week, and he talked about how he has to still have conversations with his son about the talk, and and that 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 is so heartbreaking because my talk came when I was five years old, um, uh, and I was I was traveling through the South with my grandmother, and uh, it was uh, uh, she was re- she was really concerned. About the, the the fact that that you know young young boys at that time in the South were vulnerable, and uh, and she had to have that talk with me, and I'm I'm five, I'm looking at her like you know what are you talking about? So it, it became it, it's it's something that even even 65 years ago when I was a babe, that talk is still had by black families to their young black men. And so that's the type of frustration that we're feeling, and things haven't changed. Um, but then you have inspirational figures, you know, and it's big inspirational figures in sports, Joe Lewis being among them, you know, where he um, was, uh, as I mentioned, an, an accidental civil rights leader, you know, um, uh, with uh, the, his, his uh, uh, battle uh, to, to get recognition for African-American athletes. But he was able to do it just like boxing is an individual sport. He was able to individually change the calculus in terms of how young black men were viewed in the boxing world so that they had a sense of self-determination and strength that were afforded by his good graces and his ability to transform mind through his, uh, through, through his skills. Well, we just had up a picture um there's an article that uh, I, I found earlier today about Isaac Woodard, uh, the Isaac Woodard, sir. He was the uh, Army vet who was beaten, uh, boarded a bus and was beaten and left blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this picture uh, is, you know, I don't know if you, you were talking, but uh, is of Joe Lewis with him, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really showing his support and helping him walk up the stairs. But this is a really terrible story. And that was... And I, I wasn't really plugged into that, and I and I encourage anyone to go Google Isaac Woodard. Uh, there were some amazing things. Uh, Orson Welles did a whole series of radio shows, uh, and at the time, this was like the ultimate outrage cause, and there were. Uh, but even at that point, Joe Lewis was there to, to show, be in solidarity and show support in a nonviolent and non-confrontational way. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. So I guess the question really that I have for you, Will, is, you know, in reading what we've, and, and by the way, I should point out that Will has a connection to this and that we work together on, on developing the Joe Lewis 
uh, brand story uh, and, and the authenticity and addressing the diversity issue. So he and I have both had uh, some time to, to research and study and, and, and learn a bit. Um, and it really was that Joe rose above the fray in all, in many ways. And, and he wielded po great power and influence in positive ways. You know, I don't know, Will, if you want to speak to well, that. Well, that's right. You know, in um, it, it's at, at the time I came along and became cognizant, uh, sensitive to the civil rights movement in, in the 60s was uh, was my generation of, uh, of civil rights um, uh, advocacy. Um, uh, Joe Lewis at the time wasn't considered a firebrand, wasn't considered a major uh, um, uh, force in, in the civil rights or, or an advocate of African-American advancement. And, and it's for all of the right reasons. It's because at the time he didn't buy into the far left nationalist movement. And I believe that at that time, and I even understand it even more now, that um, his what he did in the 30s and 40s um, was um, gave him, I think, license to choose his way of dealing with civil rights. You know, and and it's it is not a situation where he rests on his laurels. He can say the 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 modern day African American athletes, the elite athletes of the 60s were able to become elite athletes admired in a singular league, uh, be it football, be it baseball, or, or be it or even, even in, in, in the ring, in a singular league because of what he did to unify ideas that an African-American can be a leader and, in advance, and can advance a sport for all people. And so he didn't have to be a protege of Malcolm X. He didn't have to uh, walk the street with Fred Hampton of, of the of the Black Panthers, um, uh, and and he didn't have to, you know, uh, uh, have White House visits to Lyndon Johnson or the, or Kennedy, because his his effect was already felt, and and it was already part of the elevation of African American sportsmen. Had it, it was already done. So his his brand of of Afri African American advocacy had always been subtle. He never said, "I'm going to go into boxing so that I can lead black people to the promised land." He went into boxing because he enjoyed it. He said, "I'm good at this. I love this." Oh, and by the way, if you think that you know you can hitch your wagon and think that I if I beat Max Mellon or Fischmelling, or if, if I show Hitler what for, uh, or if I uh, can become the heavyweight champion of, of the world 23, 24 years after the last African-American um, had, had been given that opportunity, then that's all great. But understand that I'm doing this because I love boxing. But if all of the rest of this stuff can happen, I'm down for that too. He was changing, you know, Joe Lewis. He was changing, you know, everyone's minds with every single blow to Max Schmeling. Everyone took that as a win every single time. In the first two two minutes four seconds of the second fight, every blow was a win. Mm -hmm. for and 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 the every, and for the and every blow he, 
And every blow he took in the first one, all the way up to the 12th round, when, when he lost, was, was a realization that how much we put on this man. And he felt it himself. You know, he says, everyone has a plan until they get beaten. You know, his plan was, you know, he, he was, he was just going to maybe coast. And, and, you know, it shows hard work. It's all of us. I think that, you know, the lesson there was it's, it's not going to be easy. Nothing's going to be easy. The people on the street today have to realize that nothing's going to be easy. You know, they were out on the street yesterday in Washington, uh, in uh, across the street from the White House, doing a peaceful demonstration. And it wasn't easy when they got gassed and pushed out of that park. Colin Kaepernick, uh, four years ago, you know, took a knee to demonstrate that, you know, it's a quiet demonstration. He took a knee basically because the NFL players who had served in the military felt it was disrespectful to do anything during the during the during the uh, uh, the national anthem. That but to take a knee, he took a knee on the advice of his fellow NFL players who felt here's a respectful way of doing this, and he was drummed out of the business. Another uh, accidental civil rights leader. I don't think Colin Kaepernick himself, you know, felt that he needed to give up his career to do this. But I'm in retrospect. How does he look now? You know, and what he says to me is, "Be damned what you damned if you do, damned if you don't." You know, if you if Colin Kaepernick had you know stood up and rallied the people in the stadium to riot, it would have it it he would have been criticized. But he took this very subtle um, a way of demonstrating police brutality, and he was criticized. So, what do you do? And I think Joe Lewis came to the realization that. You know, in it's it's in the thirties and the forties, he did what he could, what was comfortable for him. And then when the sixties rolled around when it was really different in terms of advocacy, he says, well, I can't do that, but I did what I did and I, I'll continue to do what I can do. And if you want to hold me up as an icon in a historical perspective, that's something I'll continue to reinforce. You know, uh, you know, as our, our country, it's it's an, it's been in an internal struggle for years and years. It really has, whether it be consciously, unconsciously, uh, medically, you know, we're, we're going through this internal struggle and we need folks uh, to kind of step up at, at like Joe Lewis did. You know, we, we all need some inspiration. If you can't find it now, look, look to our history and see what inspired us to make a change. And that's what I think Joe Lewis is, you know, he didn't know he was doing it at that time, mm-hmm. but we look back and, and he, he, He's a man before, you know, before anything else. And you, you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually a documentary that I just uh, I was learning about uh, by James Baldwin that was just released in 2016. And it's a documentary that was just released. And it's very powerful. It's from a, a manuscript that was not finished completely. Um, and it was from uh, 1979 when James Baldwin wrote this manuscript. And a director did this documentary based on that manuscript. And it's really supposed to be very, very powerful. Um, it was released in February 2017. So uh, that that is uh, something that I'm looking forward to watching and, and learning a little bit more about James Baldwin mm-hmm. uh, because it was all about the civil rights and how everything is connected uh, going back from then until now. It, it's just an incredible story from what I understand. It is, um, it, it is true, you know, the connection um, that history has on events is 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 really illuminating 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you if you look at some of the similarities to what's happening today, to what happened in the '60s, to uh, what happened in the '40s, you know, yeah. what was it the, uh, uh, the 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 anniversary of uh, Black Wall Street, the destruction of Black Wall Street, was last week, um, and that you know that that was a moment in history where um, uh, the uh, folks who uh, were concerned that that would have been lost in history and the graves of the, of the African-Americans who died there were, uh, would, would never be found. Um, that, that became a symbol, uh, something to look back at uh, during these times. Um, uh, when, when the uh, uh, protesters in Wisconsin and Michigan uh, who wanted to open up the United States, uh, not the United States, but wanted to open up their state um, uh, amid the COVID-19 shutdown, showed up with firearms and went into the Capitol with those firearms. There were lots of, of conversations about what if they were Black demonstrators and they walked into the state capitol with firearms and it, and it was a it was it was a polemic discussion and you know i um i i i i love uh people uh who who respond in social media uh who who willing who who would like to engage and the engagement i got was there would be a few uh people who would show one or two photos of black panthers in Los Angeles, who did that at L.A. City Hall uh, back in the 60s. But what they didn't realize is that the law was passed immediately following that to make sure that there were no guns allowed in the city hall. But th- there, were, there was no laws passed in Wisconsin and Michigan as, as a result of that. So no, there's still that double standard which still exists. And so uh, this is a little, little off the mark in terms of Joe Lewis, but it, was, but it goes to show you that you know uh, the the times are are pretty much the same. You know, I saw a uh, a, a a a piece that was done with uh, uh, Nick Cannon uh, talking about um, uh, how I can't breathe, and he goes through the whole historical context of you know um, uh, why is it that black people can't protest and be considered. Um, uh, part of part of America, you know, if they protest in any way, it gets knocked down or it gets criticized, or the worst elements come out of it. You know, the uh, biggest concern among black black people now, especially those who would like to see something positive come out of uh, the demonstrations of the past six days, is that there's this criminal element that breaks in stores and goes crazy. Those those are people who are on a different agenda. Their agenda is they've been shut in the house three months. They don't have a job. They didn't have, they didn't get uh, uh, money from the federal government to kind of help them out. They're desperate. This is desperate people taking advantage of a situation that happens, but that doesn't define the fact that there's still a problem when it comes to policing in the United States, when it comes to people of color. I'm, I'm lo- I love the protests and and it, I, it watching it some of, some of it's unsettling uh, but it's just I love that people are out there doing what they're doing uh, and the demographics of the crowd are are extraordinarily mixed demographics which is which is great uh, it's the looting 
it, it's it, it, it's is is it just kind of it draws all the winds out of the sails of the message that the the people that are 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 putting up a good message throughout the day, uh, and then it gets really soured. So you guys said you were at CNN, right? So did, did you see the, only, that, the early days? Did you see that standoff uh, two nights ago? And and they were yeah. in the lobby, but not the main lobby, but like a side lobby where the restaurants and hotels were. Yeah, CNN and, Center. And yeah. the the police were yeah. inside the lobby there, and and people were throwing things through the window. Uh, man, that's just like you know. <laughs> you know that that look that that I you know that's just CNN becomes a symbol. Yeah, right? because it represents kind of the mainstream media and quite frankly you know whoever's they know they're going to get attention you can't not get you know global headlines from breaking through the front of cena but you know i think what's important you know whether or not i mean there's a lot of discussion about who's really behind the violence and is it are these you know you know groups that are really just trying to you know instigate and create more the bears yes and i think that there's probably some truth to that i i what i find really uh incredible is there are a few people uh who have like uh the mayor of atlanta um you know really taking decisive action but being very personal when she said you know don't you don't lecture me on uh, <laughs> compassion and uh, you know concern i mean you know, I, i'm a mother of a black child every day i worry about whether he's gonna you know that that really puts things in perspective, and you know, and and, and the fact is that there are enough of these uh, governors that are recognizing that, quite frankly, you know, they'd like to be in the protest, uh, you know, not necessarily be um, looting and going after the, you know, uh, attacking police, but you know, um, it's really, I I think that's kind of what this is. I don't think there's anybody that can really say that uh, there's no cause for protest. Uh, quite a, quite oh, no. a few politicians, um, uh, especially the ones in Washington, were at some of the uh, the demonstrations, walking alongside of the demo, the uh, the, yeah. the demonstrators, and uh, one or two of them um, were victims of tear gas and talked about how you know they were caught up in the middle when the police decided that they wanted to uh, make a move, that suddenly they were trapped. You know, I. Uh, um, also, the unsung heroes are members of the press. You know, we have a um, a, uh, a, a chief executive who brands the press the enemy of the people. But I believe that the work that they are doing are really heroic in, show, in terms of showing us what's really going on the ground on, on the ground with what's and all. You know, uh, yeah, they're showing the, they're showing the demonstrations that are peaceful. Then they're showing the looters and the rioters and the people who are absolutely crazy. And then they're looking at both sides who might be the cause of it. You know, who are the splinter groups that are breaking off? They're showing um, uh, that uh, 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 there was a, a an incident, um, I believe it was in Kentucky where uh, a policeman was, um, uh, 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 had broken off from his, his team and uh, was all by himself. And a group of people gathered around him to protect him to make sure that, you know, he wasn't harassed or hurt. Uh, Mennonites showed up <laughs> and, and supported Black Lives Matter. It's a. Uh, I think this is a this is a universal movement that says more than just the the, the loss of uh, the life of uh, Mr. Floyd. It it is it is pretty much people who are fed up with what's going on in America and and really are looking for a change and really you know, um, uh, uh, got hurt in, in this COVID-19 
uh, pandemic, which isn't really being addressed in all of the ways that it should be. Uh, and in itself, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, this is, this is a confluence of, of major problems. You know, one of the management skills, you know, when, you know, when I had to, you know, oddly enough, you, you go and you go in the news, you, you graduate from J school and no one basically tells you that, you know, journalism is a business and, and you have to go back to school and train a little bit. And one of the things I learned in management is when people complain, it's a, it's, it's a call for service. They're complaining because they, there's, there's something, there's a grievance that's within, that's within sight, that is within reach. Um, but no one is helping them get there. You know, what Joe, Joe Biden showed up this morning and he listed a couple of things that could be done like tomorrow that can satisfy some of the grievances yeah. uh, if, if, if America, if American politicians had a will to do it. So William, I, I teach high school and I, I teach journalism and uh, you know, so I'm coaching young kids uh, to get out there and, and tell stories. We work closely with uh, the PBS news hour uh, mm-hmm. and we work with mentors out of Washington and my kids create stories that, that, that get sent uh, to the PBS website. It's, it's an, an amazing opportunity for them, but uh, trying to show them and, and the things that they see uh, in our local media and in the national media, uh, I don't feel are always Great. Uh, so, I, being a being a person with with forty fifty years experience in in the media, how do you feel uh, the press is handling things uh, with the way they're 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 sharing this story? Uh, do you think they're doing a good job? Do you think they're or do you think they're exacerbating things? I think they're doing a good job. You know, I uh, uh, did a little post which basically uh, 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 praised Ali Velshi. Uh, I think it was Saturday morning. No, Sunday morning is when I I, I put it up. Uh, what he had uh, had gone through in terms of uh, uh, he he was with the marchers, walking and talking the whole night before. Then he went through the worst that Wisconsin uh, uh, had 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 to throw at him uh, in terms of uh, the 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 unrest there. And it was up the next morning anchoring his show. You know, I think that um, uh, you see a lot of tireless efforts. I thought CNN's coverage of um, of what happened yesterday when the president came out and uh, at the Rose Garden, and then all of they they did a split screen. Suddenly, they showed all of these people being pushed out of the way, and the president talking about you know his uh, his resolve to dominate the crowds. And I thought it was pretty interesting uh, that they did it because the split screen, nothing, nothing allows you as the viewer to come to your own conclusion than actually showing the events as they're happening, if you could show that perspective. And that split screen was a f- tremendous perspective in terms of the president on one hand talking about domination, and uh, but he was going to support peaceful demos. And then the split screen showing the park and the federal police, you know, tear gassing and rubber bulleting um, uh, this group. And then the, the photo op and all of this was done uh, basically almost real time with uh, the ability, with the, with the ability of the viewer to make their own decision. And I think that's, what's the important uh, thing that's, that's happening now. Um, 24-hour news, I think, is, and Twitter, 
yeah. are, are some of the things that really turn the tide in terms of polarization. Yes. You know, um, uh, uh, people have gravitated to what, what they think the news should be, and they're curating their own news. Right. And, and in curating their own news, they, they tend to stay in one place and get one viewpoint. And I think that where the news needs to be now, and unfortunately, it's going to be us as viewers and, 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 and consumers of news to, to make this change, where if you are an MSNBC a viewer, you're going to like what MSNBC puts on the air. If you're a Fox viewer, Fox is the number one cable news. And Fox doesn't have the majority of the, of the news viewers. Um, people on the right tend to be more focused and want to basically hear what they have, and they have Fox. Um, uh, people on the left are liberal or, 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 or not as, or, or tend, tend to, to not be as committed to a TV or cable news. So uh, I, I, I think that the formula that, that, that will win in the future is going to be the people who can satisfy the greatest amount and somehow build a bridge yeah. and to show all of the points of view and let the viewers decide. It's not just doing a, a right-wing point of view that says, we report, you decide, but you know, decidedly right-wing or a left or a left-leaning news and saying, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're liberal, but we're, 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 we're showing you what it is and how it is. It's it's somewhere in the middle, and it is and it is to get people to embrace it, so that we so that the polarization dissolves. Yeah, and that's the problem. The part the part that I don't appreciate is when it's just uh, an anchor in the studio and then a reporter on the street, and then the two of them, the anchor is like throwing questions at the reporter, and then the both of them are just sort of speculating. And they're They're just, and they, and then they're just, well, this could be happening and this could be the reason this might be this. And it's just all this speculation and it's, it's not news and it's not a story. It's when they bring the people in and you hear people's voices and you hear, you know, hear their, their, their pleas or their emotions, uh, and, and their wants and their desires. And, and that's, that's the storytelling. It's telling, it's telling those people's stories, just not a, a reporter and an anchor. Uh, speculating and that 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 part of it makes me nuts and and it, it's across each one of those news channels that they do that it's just it's disheartening uh and you got your your video guys out there capturing just some amazing and and, and putting themselves in harm's way to get this uh to document this story i, I think some of the voices are getting ignored uh and and it's just a speculation which 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 makes me nuts and it, it that's what i tell my kids all the time is it, it's it's the stories that matter it's people that matter and that's what charles did and does uh he tells those stories he he's dived into history and into detroit's history and sports history uh and he's telling these amazing stories and these people uh that did amazing things joe lewis be, being being one of them mm-hmm. uh and i had asked charles earlier uh about joe and his activism and i said was joe an activist and and charles your, your response uh surprised me so is it was joe lewis a, a, an activist how was he received uh in his time mm-hmm. Well, no, I agree. I agree uh, with, you know, with William's appraisal of the situation. I thought his summary of Joe Lewis's, you know, was, um, was, I mean, perfect. I mean, I, I really have nothing to add with regards to Joe's, you know, it, 
you know, like, you know, he was, you know, he was sort of, I, 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 there's a, there's people in this world, like throughout history that I call uh, children of destiny. And it's, um, you know, like people that are just born like in a certain situation and they're like the, you know, like the, the, you know, world events touch, you know, like they're, they're the perfect person at that exact perfect time. Um, the, 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 you know, the swirling world events around them, you know, are catered exactly to what they bring to the table and the impacts that they have are thus like profound. And there's almost like nothing they can do about it because they're, I mean, they're just, they're swept along. I mean, it doesn't negate their, the energy or effort they put into it, but, um, but, I, but, you know, that they're just like swept along. And Joe Lewis, I, you know, I agree with William. It was, you know, really that same situation where, um, you know, really he, this is a guy that's, you know, he's coming up, I mean, just as poor as a person can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up in a, in an era of boxing in sports history that is incredibly segregated. I mean, for, has, has no chance. I mean, if, from an, if, I mean, if you were to talk about Joe before he's before his rise, he had absolutely no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that he was able to do what he did, like there were so many things that were exterior forces that, you know, again, that he was, um, that, that, you know, that, that he was just caught up with that, that allowed him to get the chance. And that you know, you know, he was the, you know, he had the fist to, to actually take advantage of it. Um, and everything just, you know, and, and so, um, that one of the things like that I, that I was, you know, just reading about Joe Lewis, um, you know, just, you know, it, you know, through all the books and everything is, um, just, I mean, just that he was that, I mean, he was that first like universal, uh, you know, black hero. That, I mean, Every, like even like the, like even be, even before his biggest fight, like his first big fight against Primo Carnera, like like the NAACP didn't even know if they could get behind him because they didn't want to put all their eggs in this one basket when they didn't know if he was he never he'd, he'd won a bunch of fights but he never won anything like huge he'd never be like a former heavyweight champion or anything. And so when he actually and so when he beat Primo Carnera, it was all of a sudden like here he is, this is our champion. And so it was really you know the, it's it, not then it was like you know the you know, it was just, uh, you know, full on Joe Lewis mania. And so, um, and then, you know, that really did, you know, it even, and even Jackie Robinson said you know, years later that, you know, it was Joe Lewis that had, um, you really opened that first door for even for him to follow because, you know, by the time Jackie Robinson made his impact, it was, um, you know, when he broke, you know, when he, when he got into baseball, you know, Joe Lewis had already been the heavyweight champion. He'd already been, you know, he was, so he, Joe Lewis created this, you know, one of the many paradoxes he created was, um, you know, how can baseball be the, the American sport, the American game when boxing, you know, it's, you know, it's segregated still when boxing is like the most savage sport there is, but Joe Lewis, a, a black man has been the heavyweight champion for a decade. So it's also the most personal so boxing is like the most progressive, like he created that paradox. Like, you know, it did just, you know, it, to open the deal, you know, to force that conversation towards, towards all these, you know, t- towards other doors being open. And so that, yes, I'm saying like, you know, that, I think that was really Joe's, you know, and it was like, he was the perfect person at that time too, because, um, you know, in the early 1900s when Jack Johnson was, was the first black heavyweight champion, um, you know, you know, he was that, you know, he was, he, you know, scan, he scandalized the press. I mean, it was, you know, getting his teeth capping gold and driving around in flashy cars. And, you know, I mean, like they say, there's no, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's a debate about whether he should have done these things and, you know, be himself or whatever, but, um, you know, you know, everybody's got, you know, there's different, you know, conversations about that, but there's no debate about their impacts of him having done so, which was to create an atmosphere, which was like, no black man will ever do this to us again. Like nobody's, it's, you know, that's just not going to happen. So when Joe came along being this like, you know, humble and like sort of a God fearing man and they, you know, every single photo that they posed him in his personal life was like, 
you know, he's with his mom and he's like a good Christian Christian man. You know, he was, he was able to, you know, create that, um, you know, that just like, you know, like that, um, you know, like, you know, just like a more like a, a palatable figure rather than, um, you know, sort of scandalize it. So he was like the perfect person as well as his abilities and everything. So, I mean, I think, and I always, I call Joe Lewis, I call Joe Lewis. I mean, this, I, I look at him as a, a social unifier. Um, I think that was, it, you know, he was, I, I never, I've never looked at Joe Lewis as an activist, like, you know, taking to the streets and that kind of thing, like, you know, like an Ali type figure, um, where, you know, like outspoken and this and that. And that's what I was telling you, Jamie, um, was, you know, not necessarily like an activist in that regard, but the impacts of him were just profound because, because, you know, against Schmeling, he created that, the, you know, that paradox, which was who are you going to root for a black man, an American you know what I mean? Or are you going to root for a, a white Nazi? You know what I mean? Like he created, forced people to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in that, in, in that regard, you know what I mean? Like when people did root for Joe and he won and they loved him, it created that unifying, you know, that factor where race didn't matter. Race didn't color, didn't matter. This was like, this was, you know, he was, they loved him, you know, they loved him. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that, that, that to me is the message that needs that. I think that is the conversation like kind of going forward is, is this idea of like, um, is like, what's it going to like this, like unity, like unity, not like the, like, just like, like, you know, like love, man. I know I hate to be like almost sentimental, but like, <laughs> um, like, you know, like one of that's and I think that's one of the things that like about sports that I, that I like, and I actually wrote about this in the book, in the Joe Lewis section, of my second book, which is, I say, like, you know, inside the stadium, okay? When it, like, for instance, we'll take, you know, we're talking about the Detroit Tigers, right? We go into the Tiger Comerica Park or Tiger Stadium, whatever it is like this, and we are all freaking family, man. We're all, like, at, we're, there's no race. There's no po- politics. There's no anything. We're united because of the Tigers, man. They are our team. Black people, white people. They're, you know, every creed and color is on the field. Every creed and color is in the crowd. Everybody, it's a love fest or a hate fest for the other team. We're united for our city. We're united for thing. So the question, I actually say this in my book. So the question is this. I've got a solution to it all. i got a solution right now, right? Let's build a stadium the size of a city. We can incorporate the entire city around it, just the wall of that ballpark. And we can all live in it. We can all live in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. We can all be on the city. We can root for our cities. We can root for each other and all this. That's why I say, like, why is it that those bonds inside the ballpark, why is it that they exist in the ballpark? But the second we get outside, we all it, 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 it just turns into divisiveness and politics. The second you get outdoors, and that's when that's what that, that's one of the that's one of the things that gets that, you know, that kind of gets me. And it, um, and it and really all the that 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 wall around the ballpark. That's I mean, that's that's not you know, like it's 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 ridiculous to build a ballpark the size of a city. But that's what I'm saying that that's what's preventing us that that fictional wall that you know that that one thing that that one concept that's all that's like basically needed is like it's just a sense of like we're all in this world together man we're all in it you know and it's like we're like we like let's root for each other let's root for the whole um you know like let's like let's root for our cities let's root for our regions we can be competitive against you know, it's just my, the one thing that I've taken from history in my entire life and history is my obsession, not just sports, but history is my obsession. And it's this one thing. If you were to tattoo this on my, this is probably going to go on my tombstone. 
right because this is my one thing that I like, believe in, um, like it, to, to, the, to the very core of my being, is that together we can, human beings can do anything, anything, literally anything. We could set our sights on time travel. And if we all work together, we'd probably achieve it. We can do anything together. And anything, any, but, but separate, we can't do, we're, we're, we're helpless. Like we're like, like the, the, we can build the pyramids of Egypt together, but then, you know, you, you know, separate and individual people, we can't even build a sandbox. So that's insane. <laughs> that, that to me, that to me, like I say, that to me should be our Absolutely. goal. That should be our goal. And just as my last little point on that, on that, on that concept is the, the last point, if that's our goal, if that's our goal, then it makes it easier to start beginning to say, well, if that's our goal, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a question that needs to be asked is what is the goal? Like what, like, it's not just like, like vague, like, you know, oh, we need to, you know, we need to try to do these things or whatever. What's like, if our goal is to unity, that what that means is it forces us to start, to start compromising on, on everything, politics, everything. Like, okay, you know, I see, you know, like, let's talk. What's the, you know, like, what can we do? Like, like, like start may, maybe doing projects. Like, let's build this thing. Okay, what's it going to take to do it? You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what I'm saying is, like, like that's my, my, the way my mind work is, is, is like project oriented. I'm going is project oriented. And that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, it's like, like, what, like I say, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? So that's, that's, that's the thing that, um, that, that sticks out to me. So I guess that's a little bit, uh, you know, this is a, this is, this is kind of a passion time, of, you know, time to be alive. So it's, uh, I think Charles, you're on something. That song just kind of popped up on us. I'm not sure where that came Mike, from. Mike's going a little nuts over there. It, it came from me. That's Sangry Joe Lewis. I was trying to give, give a little, give a little. Oh, he was trying to give us some background. Oh, okay. You weren't trying to play for a music band. All right. Charles, he was trying to play you off. <laughs> you was, it was like the Oscars. Charles, he was Jaws. Anyway, I, I think I, I, very elegant approach to how problems can be solved. And yeah, we can't build the stadium, but we can build the, the tent poles. I love that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. To me, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not even, a, but that's what I'm saying. is like, it's not about the actual brick wall. You know what right. I mean? Like it, it's all that's all that's stopping us is our, is like, it, this is this, it's like, it's, it's just the will to, to, to see it, to, to say, you know what I mean? We don't need a wall. We just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, we just need to recognize that we're all people. Right. right. And it's like, and, and, and like, that hate, like hate, anger, corrosiveness, like all this, like it's an infection. And like, that's, that should be the enemy. There's a, a there's a, a famous old Japanese general. I believe his name that was um, Tokugawa Ayasu. Don't ask me to say that more than a couple of times, but he used to say, make anger, your enemy, make anger, your enemy. And he was one of the greatest military leaders that he was like, make, make anger, your enemy. Mm-hmm. And like you say, like, you know, unity is a strength, anger, your enemy and all these, like these type of things. I think these, like you know, they're you know, they may sound kind of like abstract things, like in those concepts, but like, but like I say, like this is this is what that, those are the kind of things that I believe, and I and I just like I say, the main thing is 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 people working together, and and it starts with, but it starts with each person doing it. It's right. not about talk. Like I'm, I can, I'm telling you guys, but I'm not telling you to do it or whatever. I'm telling you that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm gonna do. 
it, you know, well, is, is, is I want to, like, I'm going to listen to, you know, like that, I'm trying to say like actions are everything and everybody's, everybody's accountable for their own behavior. That's what and I so took from, that's what I took from what you were telling me about Joe is that he wasn't really outspoken uh, and he wasn't an activist, but his actions stood as uh, an example uh, sure. and, and, and it was just, uh, so he wasn't necessarily an, an outspoken activist, but his actions, uh, stood and, and he, he became this, the, the, just this icon for lack of a better word. You know, I, would even, I, you know, I, I've never met Joe Lewis. And one thing that I, that I can really, that I've learned from him is that emotional intelligence, instead of acting out right away, based on your emotion, take a step back and think about what you're doing, what you're going to say, and then come to the table with, you know, your vision and, and, and then act on that and bring people into your fellowship and, you know, help them to understand your, you know, your position, but don't get so emotional that it's going to cause them to overreact as well. That That is just one thing that I, I just, I, I can almost envision sitting down and having that conversation with them. He's like, all right, take a step back and think about this for a second, you know? That that that's kind of where I'm coming from, you know. Going forward, you know, that's what I take away from Joe Lewis is just sitting back, thinking about my emotions, and then coming. Yeah, to the- I've always I've always viewed Joe as like just one of the most ge- like everything you read about him was he was just like a genuine human being. I mean, that's what that's I think it, that's a tougher thing to quantify with facts and figures and boxing numbers, you know, like all that stuff. But everything that I've read about him was that he was just a genuine human being. And, and, and like, that's why I asked, you know, his uh, Joe, Jojo, you know, the last time we talked, I was like, what was he like? You know, because like everything I've read about him was like, just, he, he just seemed like the kind of guy that was just, it wasn't like some faker that was just putting on an image for the press. I mean, he was a genuinely good and decent person. And I, I think love Jojo's that, you know, answers to that. I love Jojo an- answers to that question. He was like, Jojo was like, it was dad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's right. But he. But well, I, I, I think the 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 beautiful things about the the concepts that you had talked about, Charles, is that the tent poles that I I saw faith, pride, leadership, and inclusion, mm-hmm. and if if that could be worked into every aspect of a solution to some of the problems we see now, then then we will have achieved that stadium. <laughs> that stadium. But it takes, but the thing about it is, is I think that it's, you know, that, that old American ideal, it's the oldest, mm-hmm. it's some of one of the most foundational American ideals, which is like to each person unto like their own, their own, like themselves, like every person, like, I know it's like, well, how do you implement that into a plan where everybody has to be accountable for their own sort of behavior? Well, you just mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. You know, everybody's accountable for their own behavior. You know, like, I mean, it's like, and that it's good for good or ill, everyone, every single person. And that's just like, I mean, you know, that person's a good person. Okay, great. You know, like, and it's just like, um, I don't, I just, it's, it's, I've just, I've seen in throughout history, it's crazy. I I just wish that like, I mean, like every single empire, every single thing that's ever been done, it usually starts off everything that's been great ever, ever, anything that's ever been great. Like something Bill, like, like some army that becomes invincible, like anything that's ever been like great. It always starts off with a bunch of people that are all unified and they like all or work for whatever reason. Maybe they, they don't even like each other, but they still work together, you know, for usually maybe for common defense, like World War II, for instance, common defense. And then we, and we just like, you just roll they, this, this thing just rolls over and it, you know, rolls over everybody or, you know, just becomes like un, unbeatable or, or incredible. 
And then a second, it's it's usually like once it's built, once it's like, you know, gotten to be amazing, then all of a sudden everybody just starts squabbling over the pieces and it just all falls apart. Like that's, that's like, the, that's the, that's history. Like, like that's the repetitive cycle of history is that it's like, so you see these like cycles where everybody works together, does something incredible. And then they all start squabbling over the pieces and it just falls apart every time. And I just like, that's the sadness for me is looking at, you know, sort of America as we are today. And it's like, I just like, want, like, it's just like, I, I just, um, you know, I love this country, man. And I just want to see everybody like, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I want everybody to like work together, man. Like, you know, it's, and it might just be like a wishful thinker or whatever, but um, it just, I mean, it's just history. It's, it's like fact. I mean, it, people, people work together. We can do some awesome stuff. If we don't, it's just going to be a, you know, it's just going to be a freaking <laughs> shit show. For, I mean, it's like, so it's, yeah. so I mean, it's really, each. I mean, it's up to each person. Ultimately it's up to each person. You're not going to like legislate. I don't think everybody's going to just, I don't think we're going to like legislate our way out of anything. It's, it's going to be, I think, I think if, you know, it's going to, it's going to either improve or it's going to get worse. And, and it's ultimately, it's going to be up to the people that on the ground, the people, the day-to-day people, the interactions. It's just, you know. Right. So, you know, as, as the restrictions, you know, they're, they're starting to loosen up quite a bit, you know, they, you know, Whitmer tore the bandaid off yesterday, as Jamie put it, um, you know, as the restrictions start to lighten up, Michael, I'm curious to know, are, are you guys starting to plan out events um, in certain cities and for releases of Joe Lewis at all, or any Golden you know, Glove so, news? Yeah, any so, Golden uh, Glove news? yeah. Uh, we're we're not planning events as much as we are we are planning next markets and okay. in fact looking at timetables and so things you know even in Michigan the fact that um, you know restaurants and bars are going to do some limited reopenings and we know I, we know from experience in other markets that takeout beverages and bars and patio service is really the first to come back mm-hmm. so we're really looking at that and trying to map that to you know to certain markets um you know the events part of it is a challenge we had a, we had a meeting the other day with a group that is uh, putting together a, they have they are promoting a two-year professional boxing um, challenge called making of a champion. And they are um, their first, and it's going to be on CBS, and, but they're having to do the first events, the July and the September events planned as virtual events with no audiences. So they were actually talking about what if we did some events that were more like virtual events, like set up a boxing ring, you know, on a beach. <laughs> where where people are you know, we're outside come on bring it <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you know so there's there's kind of those kind of creative conversations happening um i you know i don't see um you know we don't know none of the none of the uh, amateur boxing tournaments that were part of this marketing plan are coming back this year wow wow, wow, wow. yeah so you know forward thinking you know when um things start to roll out how many more uh, uh do you have any update as to how many stores uh joe lewis is in uh, you right know now? what I, the last update i had was from last week i haven't seen let's go to the tote board yeah right <laughs> it, was, yeah, it, was, it was over 600 stores that's great uh, and uh yeah and so sales have continued to go extremely well the 60 day sales report uh was basically uh achieved um, greater volume than we anticipated in uh the first quarter Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, when everything was going to be open and everything was going to be happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not taking our eyes off of uh, launch market Michigan too soon uh, because we think there's a lot of uh, more opportunity and it's been, uh, you know, really a great um, embrace of, of the legacy and the product. Uh, you know, part of the expression, you have a lot of boots on the ground, but, um, you know, I, you know, you got guys here in Michigan that are, you know, are just, they're, 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 they're having an amazing experience with, you know, the stores here in Michigan. Uh, where, where is your inevitable next launch going to be X? I think you had mentioned it. I think Vegas yeah, was, uh, so uh, the next, the next market, it's uh, new England, uh, which mm-hmm. is based, starts in New Hampshire and then expands. So uh, not too far from Will. It's Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's it's Florida. Uh, several markets in Florida. In fact, I was just in Tampa this past weekend, um, mm. handing a bottle of Joe Louis bourbon to the uh, beverage director at the Don Cesar. Nice. Did you fly or drive? Uh, I drove. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good man. Wow. Um, and uh, and then we're looking at uh, well, see, you know, other markets that we were written, raring to go, um, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's still kind of on hold because it's unclear what's opening and you know what's happening there. Um, that was supposed to be April, Nevada, uh, and then Tulsa, o- Oklahoma, was going to be uh, by May for the Nationals. But we still are. We have a meeting on Friday uh, with the distributor there uh, okay. to, to still look at uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma. So I would say that over the next two to three weeks, as as we're getting a better handle on what's opening, when, and what's possible, uh, we're going to. Uh, solidify that but uh, definitely we had a really great plan before this all happened yeah. yeah well hopefully uh peace and justice can can spread as quickly as joe lewis has in michigan because uh, uh yeah we need a little bit of that right now and yeah. uh william thanks for the insights and and uh, the news stories uh I, I appreciate i appreciate you being with us Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really was, appreciate being here. It's uh, fifty years. Fifty years in, in the media industry. That that is something to behold. That's a true. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I clap. You know, that, that is that is truly amazing. I tell people if, if my career was a child, I'd be a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I uh, do appreciate your insight. Really do. Truly. Thank you. And Charles, I didn't get. We didn't get a chance to talk about your new backdrop. Yeah. Oh. Like, yeah. Charles, I mean, the title of your book, Charles. You didn't tell us the title of your book. Oh, uh, my, the book's title is called Detroit City of Champions. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's yeah, so I got well, I got three books. It's called the Detroit City of Champions trilogy. Okay. So it's uh that's and that's that's like yeah that's that's like my main thing that I have. But I've got I've got so many other projects. It's crazy. Like I've got I've got I actually wrote a screenplay for a movie based on it all. The website's DetroitCityOfChampions.com. Um, and then uh, I do a lot of like, like the baseball stuff, but we all, I think we all know on this channel, William, that if we start talking about, if they ask me about baseball on this right now, it's going to start getting real crazy. Gotta, <laughs> no <laughs> stop it, Charles, when it comes to baseball, man, <laughs> save that second for another time. Cause I'm telling you, I got, it's, uh, we get, we start talking about baseball. It's a, uh, especially right now, Mike, my, my God, man, like it's, it's but like, <sighs> And if um, I didn't know anything about you, Charles, I'd have to say I think you were a magnet collector. I, I'm just oh, I'm just going out on. No, the I'm in a I'm in a I'm 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 um, <laughs> I'm 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 in a I'm actually in a mall right now. I was doing some work. I'm I'm doing some work helping this store. No, no, no! I know you. Think, <laughs> look at this! Yeah, look at this magnet wall. Right on! Oh my god, that's this great! Wall I thought you were in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, so you're, <laughs> you're, you're, it's got you're a little more color than my usual backdrop. My usual backdrop's up a window. Also. Yeah, this yeah, but, no. I'm, in, I'm trying to help open this store up a little bit, like getting some stuff cleaned up or whatever. And 
Um, can I, um, I at the at the risk of going too long? Can I do a little uh, plug for Will and I? Absolutely, Please. absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons that uh, Will and I got um, reconnected was Joe Lewis Bourbon and the work we did on that. And so since then, we've launched uh, an initiative called In the Spirit of Diversity, Inclusive, Inclusiveness, and Authenticity to work oh, with brands, spirits brands. And some of the other members of the team, oop, 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 stop, uh, are people that you might recognize we've had on some shows. Uh, Samara, uh, who's the founder of the Black Bourbon Society, JoJo. Uh, Sean Gresh, who's a candidate for mayor of Baltimore. Uh, and Arrow Burnett, who's been involved uh, in the uh, social creative of the Joe Lewis Bourbon brand. Nice. Um, but we're, you know, we've all kind of come together to bring different perspectives and experience to help brands um, evolve their stories authentically and, and to resonate. Now, we didn't necessarily realize that we would be talking about, to this extent, of racial divide and diversity, but that's. But it's been I, good to I, be back in the saddle with Mr. Will J. Wright. Love it. Uh, is there is there a panel, or you know, are you guys putting a panel together so folks can ask you questions? So what we're, uh, we're well, we've been a little bit distracted by the uh, uh, COVID shutdowns, but we've got a couple of um, video video episodes uh, that we have that are on. Um, they're not really publicly promoted; it's more industry. Um, but um, you know, we've done some conversations about uh, what brands need to know, and I may share this with you in future episodes so we can. Yeah, yeah. please. But we we're also concerned that you know when um when economic times get difficult, diversity is the first thing that goes out the window. Yeah. And uh, Michael and I were talking about creating a series um uh, with uh, boxing uh, clubs uh, where we um uh, talk about opportunities and bring in people who are um are promoters, uh, coaches, uh, trainers. Uh, to try to keep the momentum going so that people who right now uh, aren't able to ply their trade because they're either their gym shut down or there's no outlet for them to compete. So they stay engaged so that they don't feel as though they don't get frustrated and fall out of love with, uh, with their prospects. Yeah. yeah. And it is all about economic opportunity too. So, you know, creating some, visibility for these athletes and opportunities for them as well. Mm-hmm. I've got lots of questions, but I'll save them for later. <laughs> well, we'll come back and answer them. I like Absolutely. It. Yeah. Well, I'll be here next week. You can't get rid of me yet. Yeah. You know, this, this is our Monday. Will. you know, so th- this is the beginning of the week for, for most of us <laughs> because is. tasting Tuesday, five o'clock with Joe Lewis bourbon and the man cave happy hour. You know, this is our, this is our Monday <laughs> on tasting Tuesday. So off to a great start. Yes. Most important day of the week. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for hanging out uh, in the man cave and uh, cheers. Cheers, Thank fellas. You. Really cheers, cheers, guys. Nice to meet cheers. you, William. Thank you. You too. Pleasure.